Hello and welcome to Art Witch, the podcast where creativity, magic, and healing align for personal and collective liberation. I'm your host, Zanetta, and welcome. Art Witch aims to provide resources for creative empowerment, helping folks make and share their art and also find their authentic expression. In this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of artists, witches, and healers, as well as experts in various art industries and related fields, all with the intention of helping folks share their art and their unique magic with the world. Hello everyone, welcome. Before we get started on today's episode, I just want to give a big thank you to our latest Patreon members, Sam and Julie. Sam and Julie, welcome. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. It really, really means a lot. Art Witch has been a weekly podcast since its launch in October last year. It's been a joy to hear so many art witches share their ideas, their artwork, their magical journeys, and their lived wisdom with our community. If you would like to be connected more to this podcast, there are several ways. And one of them is to just check out our social media account um, on Instagram, which is Art Witch Podcast. And on there, I regularly share episodes and artwork by those who are featured guests. And it's just a cool space to continue the conversation and thoughts around these episodes. And that's kind of my hope is that we can keep some of these exchanges flowing because there are so many brilliant people listening and who have ideas and it just kind of further perpetuates what we're learning and how we're growing as a community so feel free to please connect share your ideas in the comment section under episodes it's just really great to hear from you all another way to stay connected is the new moon newsletter that goes out as you guess every new moon as you might know this podcast includes tarot readings from me on the new moon I specialize in reading for people's artwork and their creative journeys. So I give a collective creative journey reading every new moon for this podcast. And the newsletter actually includes kind of extra goodies that are related to that reading. So you'll hear the full episode and then in the newsletter you'll receive channeled notes and you'll also receive a picture of the tarot cards that I've pulled and I often write very personal and very relevant musings about the creative magical journey, things about witchcraft, things about tarot reading, things about you know sound and meditation and delving into different practices and combining those practices with my art and I share a lot about that in my newsletter and I also do quite a bit more of that work actually on Patreon where you'll get access to all of the spiritual tools, magical tools, educational, magical, creative, 
<laughs> resources that I am creating over there. I think right now I have a bunch of meditations that are up and a lot of videos, a lot of posts, journal prompts, uh, tarot spreads, things like that that are all kind of woven with this podcast and with everything that's going on. So that's a really awesome space and you're joining quite a few really amazing art witches over there. So thank you all so much for listening, for being a part of this journey with me and for supporting this podcast in any way, shape or form. And so without further ado, here is today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so, so psyched to be able to be in conversation with Maria Minnis, who's a wonderful artist, writer, oracle, yogi, and editor. Maria, welcome. Thank you. I am equally psyched to be here. Thank you for having me. I've been following your amazing series on Instagram, anti-racism with the tarot and following just all of your beautiful, thoughtful content and writing musings on creative, magical tarot work. It's just been such a joy. For those of you who don't know Maria's work, she's on Instagram as Tiny Parsnip, which I love that name. And one of these days we need to have a conversation about your your awesome name. There's a story behind it. As someone who's been following your work for a little while, I really feel this sense of resonance and consistent relevance in the way that you share really complicated topics, the way that you explore them, and also like the way that you weave magic, tarot, healing, and also the way that you express these concepts. It's just really, really beautiful, especially in this anti-racism with the tarot series. I've just felt like there's a lot that's really helping me, helping me personally. And I, and I see that in the community as well. A lot of people are feeling like a lot of like support and also assistance in moving, moving and like learning, growing in such a new and helpful way. I want to get into that in this episode and about that work, but I feel like it would be really cool to hear about how you got into the tarot a little bit, how you got into poetry and writing and, and just maybe a little bit of background about your creative magical journey. So as far as writing, I am pretty much a lifelong writer. I've journaled almost every single day since I was four. And writing is one of the ways that I'm able to process my day, my anxious brain, and, you know, just kind of dump all of my feelings onto the paper so I can move on with my life and moving on to the tarot. So I first learned about the tarot in either 2001 or 2002 and I initially did not know all of like the traditional meanings of the cards or whatever Um, I was just told you know it's up to your interpretation so for years I developed this personal relationship with each archetype in the tarot 
And then I moved into learning about wider, more collective interpretations. And reading tarot is not just the images on the card. We, as you know, intuitive people, are part of the equation, right? The cards themselves mean nothing until we integrate it into our perceptions of our lives and the worlds in which we inhabit and the actions that we choose to take and the many different views that we can have on different topics. So it's just a tool for me to view my world in a more multifaceted way than I might otherwise. And so I wasn't a big fan of poetry until I had a Kundalini awakening after some pretty traumatic events a few years ago. And after that shift, I found it incredibly hard to communicate in this linear way that I was so accustomed to. I used to love writing long form essays and I still do. But once I passed that sort of threshold, I realized that there was a well of information and feelings and experiences that I really wanted to share, but could not find the words for them. And I couldn't find the words for them in very straightforward sentences or very easy, compartmentalized ways. And so I started writing poetry to express my feelings over, you know, pretty massive traumas that happened to me. And that's also the time in which I started, you know, returning to expressing myself through visual art and tactile art, because I've learned that there is a lot more to me than what I, you know, on the external side present to others. And in order for me to explore that, I have to understand that I have to let go of this sense of linearity in order to be able to process my my experiences in a cyclical way that really aided my healing, you know, much more effective way than being at point A and devising a very linear path to get to point B and C, et cetera. And so I started to feel these feelings fast forward to a few years later when I was reading for other people, reading tarot, and I was just having these experiences of feelings that I really wanted to express, these downloads that I really wanted to express from you know, guides and, you know, my intuition and the, you know, uh, client's intuition, etc. I really wanted to express some things, but I could not express them in very straightforward ways. So I would deliver a traditional reading and be like, well, also there's this and this and this. And so that's how I got into writing tarot poems, because I could express those feelings in a very nonlinear artistic way, which is kind of what led me to writing about anti-racism in the tarot in that I realized the work of healing anything tends to be cyclical. And the major arcana, I think, is a really great analog to use to explain ways that we can approach difficult topics in our lives in thoughtful, intentional, compassionate, and innovative ways. For those of you who are listening who may not be familiar with the tarot, the tarot is a 78-card system of divination that is divided into two parts, often the major arcana, which is the first 22 cards, and then the minor arcana, which is the 56 cards, which are often associated with like the you know average playing deck, a suit of wands, suit of swords, suit of cups, suit of pentacles. 
um, much like the four suits in a playing deck. And I love this idea of cyclicalness in the first 22 cards because, you know, many amazing tarot readers and scholars have talked a lot about, you know, like Rachel Pollock or Mary Kay Greer and there are a plethora of others have talked a lot about like the different cycles and rotations of journeying that can occur in the major arcana, but also it's very easy because of the numbers, I think, to get really like, look at you, you're at the temperance card, number 14. And like, oh, oh, you're back at the emperor. (laughs) Yes, I totally relate to what you're saying. I have a few opinions on that, that some people may or may not like, but I think there are infinite ways of quote unquote organizing or interpreting the tarot. And so in my own practice, I don't always think of, you know, well, we have the lovers and now we move on to key seven, the chariot. And what I really hope to encourage people to do in my blog series is you don't have to go in order. You can mix and match and like what makes sense for the needs of your community? What makes sense for, you know, the spaces that you're in? And so that's why I do a little connecting line, you know, because there is some relationship between the card that traditionally comes before a card or the card that comes after. And I think that I just include that because I know people like to make those connections between before, after, but honestly, I think you could go completely out of order and it would be perfect for you because it's the order in which your intuition led you to follow. So I definitely view the tarot as this totally personalizable tool that, you know, any of us can use to sort of reflect upon all of life's dimensions. And I thought anti-racism is something that can also be approached with tarot thinking, if you will. You know, this brings up something that I love to think about sometimes and it's the idea of this dismantling work decolonization work as a creative healing act and it is very very unique to your time place position privilege background access so so unique in so many ways countless ways really And also unique in your life journey. It's going to change. It's going to shift, especially for me as a multiracial person with brown, black, and white ancestry. I'm constantly thinking about how my identities shift and my privilege switches based on my location, who I'm around, who's looking at me, the time and place of my life. And what I've kind of come to realize, at least for myself, and this is for no one else, I don't want to push this or prop this on anyone else. But for me, I've kind of realized like there's a lot of creativity that occurs in dismantling work and decolonizing and like, and that investigation being a a really sacred creative process. And so what I kind of love about what you were saying about the tarot and applying tarot thinking to anti-racism work is there's so much creativity and intuition woven into that invitation 
yes. that invites people to really think about who they are and like think very personally and honoring your unique placement. Do you have any thoughts about this idea of dismantling and decolonization as a creative act and how tarot can inform that creativity? So I think this work, it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all situation, right? So I think, and like you said, I'm not putting this on anyone, but for me, I think the work has involved a lot of needing to intuitively know when to act and how to act and what to act upon. And I think one of my major goals with this series is to turn people's lenses toward things that they might otherwise overlook. And I think tarot is an excellent tool for us to view life holographically, to shine different levels of light upon our everyday lives, you know, specific situations and grander themes, right? So if we can apply that sort of thinking, that sort of looking at the situation we're in from different angles, looking at not just where the light shines, but where the shadows lie and what that whole picture looks like and what the pieces look like, I think we can carry ourselves intuitively to the point of acting upon what we feel is right for the situation. And I think tarot is, it's not prescriptive, but it's a tool that can help us trust ourselves a little bit more to act in our everyday lives because we have this tool that's brought light or different levels of light to a situation. I think sometimes society asks us to look at things pretty straightforwardly, pretty head on. The brightest space is the place to follow and interpret. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to look at everything from multiple angles in order to not just get a holistic view of that topic, but to also get a personalized view of that topic. Because in our interactions, not just with general themes, but with others, like I said before, we are part of the equation and our interpretation of the world in which we inhabit is essentially a core part of what that thing is for us. And when I think about tarot and um, marrying that with anti-racism work, I hope that I can inspire people to read about a particular topic and then feel inspired to act upon that in their everyday lives because they are aware of different facets of racism that can appear in their daily lives. Like many things can not always be very visible from first glance. So my main thing is about raising awareness. And I think that tarot is a great tool to help raise our awareness of things that might visibly be, you know, a little bit deeper than what we can initially view things as. I think part of collective healing is committing to view things in a multifaceted way. And I think tarot for me has been an integral part of my ability to do that every single day. That access to differing perspectives and also have a little space to see your perceptions, to see how you've been taught to view this work or to view people's identities. The lens, the filter by which you have been kind of programmed to experience the world 
is I think one of the most powerful pieces that the tarot offers us in this dismantling, decolonizing process. It's a lot of personally for me why I actually got into the tarot because it was at a time where I was starting to really, I had gotten really into decolonization work. I was starting to like join different diasporic healing communities. And actually, the struggles I was having to make art. I have been playing music on some level since I was about like three years old. And even though I had been playing music for most of my life, I was playing other people's music. And the agency that I felt to be able to create my own art was very complicated and had a, there were a lot of wounds, a lot of traumas um, around that. And so my journey to the tarot was actually this really interesting confluence of both decolonizing work, like looking at my, my mom's experiences, my grandparents' experiences, looking how that shaped my creative agency looking how that shaped the oppression that I was reinforcing as a teacher, as a music teacher, and like starting to look at different aspects of things. And so it was this beautiful tool to start to gently actually peel back layers because you get a sense of a, you can slow things down almost. Like time slows a little bit for me when I read the tarot. <laughs> it's it's like, um you know, those like action movies where it's like, no. <laughs> and I feel like you can start to slow down and see yeah. things in a way that you can have a little space. and And to like actually not only be aware of them, but then say, well, what do I think about that? Does that align with me? Does that, where did that come from? This is a deeply creative, magical working and healing working that you have woven in your series. And I'm also interested in hearing if there's any other ways that you've explored bringing the tarot into any other forms of creativity or experimenting with any other processes around the tarot for yourself? So I am like a jack of all trades, master of none, right? I am essentially a generalist. And so I have so many interests in creating art with different mediums and in different spaces. And so I've used tarot to help guide me to what kind of artistic practice that I need for, you know, artistic therapy, because sometimes I just sit at my table and I just don't know where to get started. And so sometimes I'll pull a card or a couple of cards that can help me process and think about and ask myself questions about what do I need right now and how can I express that? And it's not like I'm aiming to make a masterpiece or anything like that. But I do think that tarot inspires me to act because I tend to get very overwhelmed when I have a lot of choices in front of me. I can be decisive, but I could also spend all day deciding between object one or object two. Do I want to do fiber art today? Do I want to write poetry? Do I want to work 
with watercolor? Do I want to practice calligraphy? And somehow, whatever I choose, based on how I've interpreted the messages that came through in my personal tarot reading, somehow the art that I engage myself in always ends up being exactly what I needed. I may not realize it, you know, in the moment, it may come back to me in like a month or like a couple of weeks or, you know, sometimes half a year later. But I do try to make not just my art a creative and intuitive practice, but my mindset and intention before I jump into the actual act of making art, I try to make that an intuitive process as well. And tarot has been a really helpful tool in guiding me in spaces where I can tell that I will get too overwhelmed and end up deciding, you know, I'm not going to do any art at all. I'm going to go somewhere else and then complain to myself about how I didn't do any art in the last week or two. There were a couple things that were really kind of coming up for me as you were speaking. One was, I could really appreciate what you were saying about, you know, it may not happen right away that I understand what just occurred, that art making process that just occurred with the tarot and, and how that like fits into the puzzle of my life, you know, right away after I've made it, but maybe a week or a month down the line or something, mm -hmm. or even half a year that might kind of make its presence known and the message of that becoming clearer and understood at that time. And it's something actually that I, I think about because I know that many folks who listen to the podcast are beginning to touch base with some of these practices like the tarot or witchcraft or energy work, et cetera. And I know that there's sometimes an expectation that can naturally arise, you know, total love. If you're listening, <laughs> you're listening to this and you're like, Zanetta, yeah, that's me. Well, it's me too. And I, I totally hear you. <laughs> but I think about how like, when you've been spending time with tarot for a while, time and the way that things unfold, I think that there's a different relationship and a different sense of surrender and appreciation for when things make themselves known and the mysterious and profound wisdom of our intuition that draws us to what we need and brings us what we need when we need it. I just love that you brought that in to your creative process and like feeling that out with the tarot, letting those processes make themselves more apparent or clarify in their own time. That's just so cool to me. Yeah, totally. I think all of this work of combining my intuition with my practice, my creative practice, has made me a lot more comfortable with the unknown. And, you know, in our society, we we often in the information age want to get the answers right now, right? If we want to know what the weather is like in Mumbai, we can just Google it. Or if we want to do a spell for love, we can just Google what someone else did and try it. But I think that part of the gift of being human is being able to imagine and have imagination and 
be okay with the unknown. Like whenever I cast a spell, I always try to leave space for whatever else will want to come in. So for example, I did a spell back last year for a specific day job and I was so specific in exactly how I wanted it to manifest itself into my everyday life. You know, I wanted this job by this date and by this part of my life and I wanted this exact income and then I wasn't getting what I wanted and then once I started loosening up and saying you know hey universe if there's something else that's there for me I welcome it and I ended up getting a job that was a lot more fitting to my um, to my skill set and I think it was not just because the universe was like, hey, here you go. This You opened up Pandora's box and you know, here you go. I think it's because I was able to open my perspective beyond what was immediately in front of me and just look into the void, imagine what could happen and look at what is available in the wider perspective. And sometimes that feels like gazing into a black hole, but when you stare into a black hole enough, you may start to feel some feelings, see some things and hear yourself and get quiet enough to hear yourself and understand how to creatively interpret not just the world around you, but the processes that you're going through within your thought processes, what limitations you put on yourself, what old tired stories about yourself you're telling yourself. And I think that I just love the idea of being creative and imaginative in our everyday lives. And that is a huge part of why I keep up my tarot practice and why I read tarot for other people, because I want to help us get beyond this point A, point B, point C mentality and to play with our lives a little bit and to see what falls into our laps. And, you know, how do I mold this? What do I do with it? What can I do with it? What wild ideas do I have about my life? And how can I start embarking on those? How can I start integrating my creative vision in my everyday life? And that's so much, that's such a big part of my work is how to do things intentionally and thoughtfully in our everyday lives. I think sometimes when people get into things like the tarot or spell casting or you know, anything esoteric, I think that there is this tendency to look toward the big events, like the full moon, which happens once a month, or the new moon, which also happens once a month, or, you know, some celestial event that happens every 60 years or whatever. But the real magic is in our everyday lives. It's, you know, how we decide which tea we're going to drink in the morning. And using these everyday mundane experiences to practice our intuition, to practice our creativity, practice our imagination. I think that is a more constant source, at least for me, of everyday inspiration that I can use to make my life altogether more artistic, right? Because if I'm only looking to big events, then I'm limiting myself to only being inspired and feeling inspired in relation to those events when you never know when a drop of inspiration or 
something like that is going to pop up in your life. And so the tarot helps me remain open to what may arise and, you know, what I might look out for and et cetera. So yeah, I'm all about just trying to help people think more creatively and intentionally about their everyday lives so that they can, when those big moments arrive, already be prepped to interact with those situations intentionally, thoughtfully, and sincerely. It's very interesting what gets emphasized. I understand marketing and branding culture, and I understand very much that it's easy to emphasize things that seem to stand out or to be presented in such a way that that it would gather our attention. And I think a lot about this with social media, which is how you and I kind of connected. And, you know, we're very much sharing our work and sharing our ideas on this platform of visibility. And there's this rhythm, maybe not rhythm, but there's this, this way that, you know, there are definitely things that get presented and that get emphasized through presentation. And I think about like, I get this chance to make a podcast and like, you know, a handful of people listen to the podcast and, you know, maybe a handful of people check me out on social media or something, you know, and maybe people check you out, Maria, on social media. And, and I think about this idea of, visibility and the big moments (laughs) the full moons of the witches of instagram (laughs) yes (laughs) and there's a treadmill at least for me that occurs where i feel like sometimes there's this need to really cater to this visibility pacing this tendency of sensationalism and just things that are like so worth our time and our attention. And as a creatrix, that shit doesn't resonate with me. I'll just be frank. Like everyone who's listening, I love you all. But that stuff doesn't really resonate with me um, on like a heart level. It doesn't make sense for me um, in this lifetime. And really try to kind of like hang with the platform in a way that that, you know, I do get messages and I do share things, but a lot of times I also just try to kind of like do a little bit of it for myself. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your perspectives on like being a creator who puts stuff in this world of social media and who shares stuff in this world of social media and and how you've been feeling into that uh, connection, like having that be connected to your art, your magic. And And any thoughts about what you're noticing, you know, in that process in putting stuff out on that space and how it's impacting your, either your creativity or your magic? Well, first I will say every time I post anything on Instagram, I go through a wave of five minutes of pretty intense anxiety because I don't have anxiety about putting myself out there, but I do feel like, you know, sometimes the things that I say because I'm so not into linear living, um, I wonder if the things that I say will resonate and make sense to people. And, you know, I reread my blog posts over and over again. And then finally, I just say, okay, I'm posting it. And 
on one hand, I am so happy to be able to do that because I have made so many wonderful, wonderful connections like the one I have with you through Instagram. And it is really wonderful to see how people are engaging with my work, not just on the screen, but out in the real world or it's all real, but you know what I mean, the offline world. And I love that. I love that ability to connect and to relate to people. But at the same time, sometimes I just want to post a selfie and it doesn't mean anything. It's just, hey, maybe I need a little confidence boost or I really like this picture of this plant I found. Um, Here you go. And so I've been trying to balance, you know, both contributing to, you know, the tarot community and also just using the platform for myself. Because aside from what I post, I'm really there, like, scrolling through different art accounts and being inspired. But I have to limit myself because I, I remember this thing from when I was when I was young. And I remember that Missy Elliott said that she doesn't listen to other albums or other music when she's making an album because she just wants that inspiration to be coming from within based on all of her experiences and interactions with other music and her past music and her visions and whatever's inspiring her at that moment. And so I sort of feel a sort of parallel tension with my relationship with Instagram in that if I want to make you know, visual art, for example, about, you know, I want to draw, I don't know, a cup of water, I should probably limit myself to looking at a bunch of different pictures of water, because then I feel like this pressure of, oh, my picture has to be that good, or else it's not going to resonate with people. That's not how I want to engage with the app. I do want my content to resonate with people, But I don't want to do that to a point where I feel pressured to conform to whatever is stylish or hip or will get the most likes. Because to be frank, I don't count my likes. When I look at my own stories, I'm, you know, kind of afraid to look at how many people have looked at it because that sort of thing just gives me a little bit of pressure of like, okay, if I post this thing, hundreds of people are going to see it. I know some people aren't going to like it. I'm pretty sensitive. um, And so I just feel like, yes, I enjoy putting myself out there. I enjoy putting my work out there. But at the same time, I have to balance that with spending my time there very intentionally, or I delete the app off my phone when I'm really not using it. Like I tried to delete the app Fridays and Saturdays and some days in between in, in the week rather, because I'm very sensitive to this idea that there is this pressure to be a certain way in order to be able to engage with other people effectively on the platform. Because if I post things that aren't relevant, then no one will care about my work or this or that. And so I definitely have to put some boundaries around that in order to make sure that I'm contributing to the spaces where I want to contribute through the Instagram avenue, but also I'm contributing to my own personal, mental, artistic health at the same time. Yeah. And I think about, I think it was the last episode that just got published with Maria uh, Molteni, 
we were talking about this idea of saints and like how we conceptualize saints and how that relates to artists and how the idea of saints accessing source uniquely and kind of alchemizing that and sharing that through their lives and their work and and how many artists in a lot of ways especially if you're probably listening to this podcast and you are intrigued by magic and art you're probably channeling something and through your work and how to channel a lot of times it's actually to access some stuff that I'm not going to say is other than what's floating around. Cause that's not what I mean. It's not like just this, you know, t- totally removed from society and, and, and things like that, but more that you're kind of reworking some energies and sharing them in some ways that are necessary and healing for people that they have maybe not accessed before. And, as an artist, this is like kind of what we might be doing. And I think about being on these platforms and how they impact our process of creation and of channeling and of alchemizing. And I think we're human. It's very easy to start falling into what you just kind of consistently see, what you're consistently exposed to. And that's starting to impact your channeling, starting to impact like the very beautiful and unique perspectives that you're sharing through your artwork and the special ways that you're reworking energy. So I very much feel you on what you were saying. And also thanks for sharing that Missy Elliott piece I feel similarly, I literally do not listen to a single song or anything by another artist for as long as I'm working on a project. And so last year, I almost listened to hardly any of anyone else's work for like a year. And it was tough. It's really tough to hold that line with oneself sometimes, especially if you're just starting out. I think it can be really hard. Like if you just are starting to feel that call to create. Do you have any thoughts, Maria, on like creating a little bit of a a cleared space and a protected space for like your emerging magical work or emerging artist's work? So I admit that I am pretty easily distracted. So I have to go through this process of grounding myself, making sure I know that I'm in my body, I am embodied, and then centering myself and making sure that whatever I'm distracted by, either, you know, I have a plan to tend to, or I tell myself, you know what, I will think about that later. But right now, the next two hours is just going to be about this. And then, you know, I call on whatever benevolent spirits want to participate with me in creating art. I call on them to, you know, help inspire me and to protect me and to protect my energy. And then I, you know, just meditate for a little bit. I think at the core of so much magical work is just the commitment to meditating, um, to really feeling what it's like to be ourselves in this world. And that can be either meditating on what art you want to create or 
meditating upon a spot on the wall. Um, it's just the practice of focused attention. And I think that's the key to a lot of things about my own particular practice is that I know I have difficulty focusing my attention. And the more I practice meditation, the more I'm comfortable with the steps it takes for me to focus my attention. Um, and so I do live in this space where, you know, I think everyday magic is all around us and I'm like constantly inspired. And, you know, my mind is often racing with ideas and inspiration and I just want to pivot left and then pivot right. And all of that's okay. But sometimes my thought processes can lead me to spaces of fear, spaces of pressure. You know, the thing that I'm creating has to be better than the last one. Or the thing that I want to put out there has to be more interesting or more wild than the last one. And going through this process of slowing down and making space every day to practice slowing down is really integral to my ability to make art that I feel like is authentic to myself. Because even though I have painted things that I thought were beautiful, but did not feel like they came from me. And it's important for me to feel a relationship with the things that I produce and feel like it's not just an imitation of someone else's work or um, reflective of my needing to produce something that's similar to what is popular now. So all of that is to say that practicing slowing down and really understanding what it's like to just be in this moment, to take a deep breath and to just channel whatever comes through. And, you know, if it's great, great. And if it's not, what did I learn from it? I think there's always something we can extract from experiences. And not that we always need to turn every artistic experience into like this big existential question, but if there's something that you want to explore, there's always something you can go deeper into like why did I use that color what does that evoke for me why did I use those words to describe this topic maybe I don't like this poem but maybe it can be part of a different poem and so when I slow down I'm able to stop worrying about these imposed expectations whether I'm imposing them on myself or they're they feel imposed by other people and then I can really get to the root of what I want to do and my own iterative processes that feel right for me. And that way, you know, I can make art with total integrity that, you know, and confidence that this is what I'm trying to express. And, you know, by doing that, sometimes I surprise myself. Mm, yeah. Meditation is also a very big part of my own process as well. And so I, as you were speaking, I was just like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was, I was like, yes, meditation. And, you know, meditation can look a lot of different ways. You know, it's not all silent meditation. If for those of you who are listening, who are curious, I actually have a whole YouTube video about like, how to start meditating, but not in the sense of just silent meditation, all sorts of forms of meditation and talking about getting into a type of meditation that aligns with where you're at and what you're interested in. So that's on the YouTube channel. If any of you all want to check that out, it's very, very, very chill, gentle exploration of meditation. And I love what you were kind of sharing Maria, like about 
this idea of focused attention and developing that focused attention in some way that allows you to stay in your own artistic expression, stay in your own experience of or connection to spirit or to source or however you conceptualize it, but stay in the magic of the moment. I just love that so much. And I do feel like there's a lot of stuff vying for attention, but it's definitely possible. A lot of what you were saying too, Maria, about that you feel like your mind can kind of go in a lot of directions. Yeah, absolutely. I feel very similarly in a sense. I probably don't share enough about this, but my anxiety is pretty high. Also, my my sense of like where I get pulled and what I get into can look very chaotic, maybe to the average person and just wow, Zanetta's all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I am still able to make the art that I love. I want to just put that out there that if you feel like you have to like suddenly become some kind of silent meditation whiz or something, (laughs) that's not really the point. You don't have to become someone different, but it's this tool that you can access, like the tarot, that you can work with and it can support you doing what you care about doing. (laughs) And so it's not, you don't have to be a different person. And I just, I like to remind people, especially with any kind of advice that comes through the show, that if you're listening and you maybe don't see yourself readily in some of the things that are being posed in any of these episodes, just know that there's an and it's not an either or it's not a binary. It's, you know, that holographic energy, Maria, you were bringing in earlier. Yes, I love that so much. And for the listeners, I would like to say that I fully endorse that YouTube video. It has been so helpful for me. And I think that I totally encourage others to go ahead and check that out. But yeah, I'm glad you can relate because sometimes I feel a little bit like an alien (laughs) and sort of like how I try to balance my, you know, anxiety and managing all of this other energy that's not mine, how to prevent that from seeping or rather leaking into my artistic practice. Because when I don't feel centered, when I don't feel focused, when I don't feel inspired, when I don't feel protected, when I don't feel like I'm protecting my energy, then I, you know, things for me get pretty chaotic too. And not to say that there isn't any benefit to chaos sometimes because some of my best ideas have come from just scribbles on like my literal wall when I had a house and there's totally space for chaos but there's also the need to for me at least to balance that out with being able to slow down because it's not just being in the moment and creating art and presenting it there's also this other lens this like other side to it, which is my relationship to my practice and stepping Mm -hmm. back to understand what does this do for me? What does this do for the people I share it with? What does this do for my community or my goals for the larger collective, if you will? And so I try to like really balance the external and the internal, which kind of goes back to the topic of tarot, which, you know, helps us balance 
what we need to do in the external world. It's sort of actually like a lunation where if you practice the traditional like new waxing full waning dark moon sort of cycle, there's this half of the lunation that's all about doing the thing and working on your goal and then you present it and you share it and you disseminate information and you disseminate, you know, whatever it is you need to share out with the world, even if the world in that situation is just yourself. And then there's this whole other half that I think in our capitalist forward-minded world that we tend to not pay attention to, which is the internal side, the reflection, the stepping back, the reaching into our deep, most innermost feelings about the work that we're creating. And we need that time to process and to regenerate and to spend time in the void because as people say, magic loves the void. Um, And so when, you know, when I think about my own artistic practice, I try to integrate some level of stepping back and examining not just my work, but my process and how I felt toward that. And in that sort of balance, I'm able to see what do I want to do next? Do I want to redo this? Do I want to present this? Do I want to work on this a little bit more? Or do I want to trash this? Which is totally fine too. But I think that this whole like thinking about time in a cyclical way really helps us avoid that whole, do I like this piece of art? Yes, no, keep it, toss it. You know, when there are so many other ways that we can creatively interact with our own art and interact with the process of making it as well as sharing it and interacting with it. I love the idea of thinking about the moon cycle and thinking about it as a model for creative unfolding throughout the entire journey of what might be say if you painted something and you know and that got finished and that was like kind of the full moon point and then you have this kind of whole other half and I guess this whole other half this waning half is this aspect of creation that you were saying really gets lost in our capitalist society It gets lost so easily because what is visible in our marketing brand culture, in our product-driven culture, in our buying-driven culture, is what is the outcome and what is the visible, what's the full moon moment, basically, of this. And that whole other half of the experience, what went into it? How do you feel? How are you caring for yourself? You know, are you feeling like a postpartum experience after creating that? Is this something for other people or not? Do you ever even want to do this again? (laughs) Like all the many, 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 many layers that can kind of come into what it means to bring something into the world, regardless of if it's in the public eye or not. It's just, yeah, it's really easily not talked about and it's really easily ignored and it's definitely in most formal education situations completely omitted from curricula i think there's changes because there's a lot of like staffing changes and you know care is on everyone's mind because sustainability collectively is it's obvious where we're going is not sustainable so sustainability is coming up a lot but i really really love that you shared that lunar connection 
to creating and to also coming back inward. Vespertine flower family, blooming under the lunar wax, bonded through friendship, bonded through choice, bonded through devotion. Crystalline joy, truth in its nudest, hallelujah to the goddess. Yes, true love is never obligatory. Can you believe? You know, speaking to that idea of visibility, earlier we were talking about many tarot readers are also artists. They're also healers. They're also uh, scholars. They do all sorts of things. And it's very easy, I think, to feel pressured to A, focus on one thing, B, identify with one thing and to see, keep it all separate and compartmentalized. And, you know, your project with anti-racism with the tarot, that series felt like such a beautiful marriage of so many aspects of expression, critical thinking, creativity, magic. It was just like all sorts of stuff comes together in that series for me. And I'd love to hear about your experiences with blending different art forms, things that are seemingly supposed to have their own lanes and be in their own spaces or that were just really shown that like, I'm a tarot reader. I'm a this, you know, like where do tarot poems fall into that? I'd love to hear about your experiences with that. Your thoughts about compartmentalization as a tarot reader and as a writer and as an artist. Yes, I love the idea of adding more ands to our lives because I am a bunch of different things. And one of the things that I have really focused on in the past few years is integrating different aspects of my life as, as being all different aspects of who I am. I grew up in, you know, a very, in a small rural town where I was often the only Black person in my class or at some event or in a restaurant. And I felt a lot of pressure to compartmentalize different aspects of myself in order to feel safe in different situations, to avoid criticism or nasty remarks or to adhere to, you know, respectability politics because I wanted to feel safe. And in moving through life, I have understood that it's important for me to feel safe in my artistic practice, as well as, you know, in all other aspects of my life, but to also in spaces that are safe and where there is enough safety to think about and what else what else can I do? Spaces in which there is enough safety to stretch myself a little bit. I want to take advantage of that because for so much of my life, 
I have felt like a bunch of mosaic pieces on the floor. And now I feel like I'm sort of creatively, you know, gluing them together in, in ways that make sense for me. And so for a long time, just did traditional tarot readings, um, very straightforward, which I love. I love receiving them. I love doing them. It's a lot of emotional labor, but it's very enriching for me. And around, you know, a few years ago, when I started writing poetry, I was very much like, okay, in the morning, I do my personal practice, then I do any tarot readings that I have to do. And then I write my poetry. And I never blended all of those things together, because I was just so used to separating different aspects of my life. And eventually when I realized that there were some feelings that I could not express in a very straightforward way, I, you know, took the risk. I felt that there was enough safety to take the risk of trying to interpret messages from people's guides and energies in a more poetic way and to deliver those messages with all of the sincerity and messages that I couldn't quite articulate in a very point A, point B, point C sort of way. And from that experience, from this experience that I'm still, you know, participating in and cultivating, I've been inspired. I've inspired myself to integrate different aspects of my, you know, non-tarot life. But to think about my life as this sort of wabi-sabi combination of so many different things has really influenced my artistic practice because I'm, I'm dissolving the sort of hard lines that I've sort of set up between different concepts and different aspects of my world. And I, I'm inviting whatever in, in that feels like, that intuitively feels like, that I know very deep in my heart belongs here. And so maybe I have, I don't know, I'm working on a painting, but I want to add some fabric to it. In my head previously, those two things could not come together because they were two different types of art. But in opening myself up to integrating so many different aspects of my life together and being honestly myself in different situations where it is safe to be, I have internalized the idea that it's safe for me to bring all sorts of different thoughts and reflections and different types of media together. And maybe it's not very straightforward and maybe it's a, a little bit wild to another person. But for me, this is the art that I need to make because it's reflective of my own multifaceted self. So bringing it all back to tarot it's just this huge development in my life, this huge source of growth in integrating so many different pieces in order to create more cohesive understanding of who I am, what I want to do, what I'm creating, and how I can best serve my community. Oh, there's so much there. There's so much rich insight that you just shared in kind of like convergence of worlds and there's something particular about what you were saying that really, really, I just want to say thank you for mentioning it, which is this idea of safety. Because getting into the world of creativity and creative empowerment, folks like Elizabeth Gilbert can write a book about like big magic. Folks can, you know, get on 
I don't know, Cosmopolitan magazine or something and be like, just be creative. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy. And, and yet, one thing that I rarely hear about is this idea of safety that comes with expression work and authentic creativity. And I think it's so, so, so important. It's a big, important piece of this puzzle and conversation because not all of us, well, first of all, creativity and expression of magic and expression of any kind is linked to expression of identities and self it is intertwined. It may not be very clear all the time, but there's a lot of connection between how we feel safe in our bodies, how we feel safe to use our voices, how we feel safe to present our identities, and how we feel those identities are being held in spaces, and how we create art and how we work magic. Those things are not unrelated. They're very much connected and having conversations and are informing one another. And when you brought up the idea of safety, I was just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because safety is part of being able to feel like you can bring those things out there. And I think people who are just kind of encouraging folks to just create without saying, maybe it's not safe for you to make your art. Maybe it's not safe for you to feel like you can go and just share, you know, what you know in your heart you need to share. I just want to hold this podcast space for you and to like say, if you're feeling like you're in that situation, dear listener, I wholeheartedly stand with you and understand on some level that that is not an easy space to exist in there's not always easy answers and readily available answers to those moments and situations. You're in community with a lot of folks here who, who know what that means. And thank you, Maria. Thank you for just sharing that. Thank you for being so receptive. It really does mean a whole lot to know that, you know, logically, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way, but sometimes I can trick myself into thinking I'm the only person. And yes, I just wanted to echo what you said to the listeners, like, you are not alone, and that you really are part of a wonderful community of artists and creative people. And a lot of people who have to deal with the idea of safety in their creative practice and explore the limitations and feelings and experiences that come along with that, because your safety is very important. And it's very much an interesting experience to explore where you can kind of push the boundaries and also protect yourself at the same time. Because I think that for me, at least, self-care is part of my creative practice. And if I'm not doing the work to feel protected and to feel secure in myself, then I can really see that leak into my practice. And so, yeah, I just want to reiterate that anyone who feels similarly, you're not alone. Oh, Maria, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom and your experiences and just all the deep work you have done with your art and the tarot and, you know, magic. It's just really, really healing and helpful 
to hear your perspectives. Wonderful. Thank you so much for providing this space. I feel like I talked about a lot of things that I've really never expressed to anyone. And I just really appreciate the space, not just a conversation we're having now, but the overall space that you provide with this podcast. I really appreciate it. It's such a joy to be connected with so many amazing folks like yourself and to just talk about things that I think at all stages of my life, I'll want to hear about. If you wouldn't mind to share how people can connect with you and if there's anything upcoming that you'd like to share, just, you know, ways to basically continue engaging with your work and the conversations that you're unfolding. So like you mentioned, um, you can find me on Instagram at tiny parsnip. It's all one word. And you can also visit my website, Maria Minnis. Um, that's M-A-R-I-A-M-I-N-N-I-S.com, where you can, at the bottom of each page, you can sign up for my waning moon newsletter, especially if you have any needs to work on that second half of the moon cycle, the reflection and the, the, the inner piece of that, I invite you into that space wholeheartedly. It's a once a month newsletter. And also on that website, you can order a tarot poem where I will form a tarot reading and write a personalized poem and mail it to you with, with a small piece of art. All my work is donation-based, so pay what you can. It is all accepted in so much pride and joy. I do love the work that I do. And also on my website is my anti-racism with the tarot blog series. It's a weekly series where we go through each card of the major arcana and explore different facets of anti-racism, particularly work around anti-Blackness across the world. You can check out my posts there. Um, I also post every week about it on Instagram, so you don't have to check my blog over and over again. Um, They come out in the middle of each week. And if you have any questions about my work or me, please feel free to reach out, DM me, use the contact form on my website. I respond to everyone um, and I am here for you. And I invite you to interact with me because I think that the more we can understand each other, the more we can creatively express each other in our world. And I think our creative expression is, you know, quite, quite a helpful medicine that our world needs right now. I couldn't agree with you more. Maria, I have one last question for you, which I ask every guest on the podcast. And that is, what advice would you have for your younger emerging artist self? One thing that I didn't internalize until more recently was this idea of learning the rules so you can break them. And That has just been a very integral part of my artistic practice. Um, I love learning about other people's practices and, you know, what are the standards and expectations around this art form? And, you know, how can I do something different? How can I radically insert myself into my work or insert my community or my friends? Or in the case of tarot poems, how can I integrate people's guides and their messages and energies you know how can I understand those things and radically transform them into meaningful you know pieces 
of art that are sincere and relevant and, and useful, if not anything else, but to provide a moment of pause and inspiration for someone. And so I encourage my younger self, I would totally encourage her to, yes, you know, understand what's out there, but also trust in yourself that you don't, you can step outside the boundaries. You can step outside the lines because you're the only one of you um, who's here on this planet at this specific time. And no one else can provide what you can provide to the world. And if I had learned that much younger, I probably still would have had to go through my own process of understanding that and internalizing that for myself. But I would have been able to do it a while ago and saved myself a lot of anxiety and pressure to compete. Oh, I love that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll record this and keep it and just have it play back to me (laughs) on loop. Oh, Maria, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing your experiences, sharing your tarot practice, your tarot poetry, your series. It's just so, so inspiring. Thank you for having me here. This has been a really profound experience, I'll say. If you enjoyed today's episode of Art Witch, please consider subscribing or writing a review. Each and every little bit helps spread the word to more and more people.